Good morning, church. I believe this is the best days of the church. And I know you believe in the church. I know that you uh, believe in our mission to make disciples together. And I would invite you at this time to continue the, to support the church financially. I know that for many, many people, these are tough times financially, times when work is slow or you've become unemployed or underemployed. But I would invite you as you're able to continue to church to support the church. There's ways to give online, and those uh, links are going to be in the comment feed of this uh, live broadcast. And there's also information on our website, goodnewsloves.com, as you continue to be faithful. And I want to thank God for your faithfulness and thank God for the ways that he has continued to provide for us in these days. Our God truly is faithful, and he will provide both for you and for his church. We have put some information on our website. It's called Good News Kids Online. There's information to help you as parents open scripture together with your children. So I'd invite you to go to our website, goodnewsloves.com forward slash connect. You'll find resources there to help you as a family open scripture together. We're really grateful for Tony, our children's director, for helping make that available online. I wanted to let you know about our plan for next week. Our original plan was to worship online last week and this week. We've had to extend that another week, so we'll worship online again next week on April 5th. And on Easter, we haven't made a decision yet about Easter, so our current plan is to look forward to our Good Friday service at the World Golf Village campus on Friday night to begin 36 hours of prayer leading up to our Easter service on Sunday morning here at our Wildwood campus and at the World Golf Village campus. We look forward to prayerfully worshiping together on Easter Sunday as that is forced to change, as if we have to adjust our plans for that. We're gonna continue to update all that information through our Facebook page and on our website, and so I invite you to uh, keep track of announcements. One of the things you'll find on our Facebook page are new opportunities uh, to get involved in serving our community. You've seen a few of those this week, and so I'd encourage you as, uh, as our members continue to step up with ideas how to serve our community, uh, that you would check our Facebook page uh, for announcements as those come together. Let's spend some time in prayer, and then we'll open the word together. Father, thank you. Thank you that in the midst of all that we're going through, you are faithful. Thankful, Father, that you are the one who has provided for all our needs in accordance with your glorious riches in Jesus. We're thankful, Father, that you've given us your Holy Spirit and I ask now that your Holy Spirit would give us ears to hear and eyes to see Jesus in the pages of Scripture. And Father, that you would open our eyes to see good things in your word. Satisfy us this morning with your unfailing love. For We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So let me ask you this. How, how are you feeling? 
Listen, if, if you would just comment in the comments on the Facebook feed, if, if you just let us know, how have you been feeling this week? What's, what's one word that would describe your emotions during this past week? How, how are you doing? How are you feeling? As I thought about that question in my own heart, the, the way my heart has been feeling is I've been feeling crowded. You say, well, how much of an introvert are you, Dave, that, that in a time of social distancing, you would still feel crowded? Well, let me tell you what I mean. I mean that there is just information coming at me from so many directions, from, from social media, from email, from people inviting me to join Zoom calls, from webinars, information just, just bombarding my heart. So I feel crowded. Now listen, I want you to know that whatever emotions you're feeling, whatever emotions you're feeling, your heavenly Father feels with you. We have a Savior, Jesus, who's able to sympathize with us. And so let's lay our feelings before him. Let me pray for you now, for, for him to meet you in whatever emotions you're facing this week. Father, our Savior Jesus can sympathize with us. He knows the feelings, the emotions that we're dealing with. Father, would you meet us in the midst of those through Jesus, by your Spirit? Amen. Let me ask you this question. What have you been learning this week? What are the things, the lessons that God's been teaching you from Scripture, from, from wisdom, from the encouragement of others? What have you been learning this week? What would be one word that would describe what you've been learning? Go, go ahead and put that in the, in the comments. If I were going to summarize what I've been learning this week, it would be one word, and that would be dependence. I'm learning to to become more dependent on my Heavenly Father. And, and you know what I think? I, I really think that that's exactly where God wants to have me. Because when, I, when I'm dependent upon Him, I'm most useful to Him. My friends in Celebrate Recovery, they describe dependence this way, I realize that I am not God, and that I'm powerless to control my tendency to do the wrong thing. See, I'm dependent. God's independent. I'm dependent. He's big. I'm small. And when I lean into him, God says, that's right where I want to have you. What have, what have you been learning this week? Aren't you thankful for those lessons? Listen, let, let me pause now and pray and thank him for those lessons that you've been learning. Father, thank you. Thank you for teaching us. Thanks for not leaving us alone in the midst of this week, but that you have come and, and met with us. You've been our teacher. You've spoken to us from your word. You've guided us in truth. Holy Spirit, that's what Jesus promised you would do. We thank you. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. One thing I know, in fact, sometimes it's the 
only thing I know in the midst of these days. The one thing I know is that I have hope, and so do you. We have hope. We have hope that has come to live with us. His name is Jesus. The reason I have hope is because I have a Savior. And that's what all of us are looking for. We're all looking for a Savior. We're all looking for salvation. Where will my help come from? My help comes from the Lord. We have a Savior. The most important question that anyone ever asked was asked by a jailer in a jail in Philippi. And the jailer asked Paul, Brothers, what must I do to be saved? And the answer that Paul gave, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. Don't miss that. We're all looking. Where will our help come? Where will our salvation be? It's in a person. His name is Jesus. Don't miss that. Don't miss that salvation is from the Lord. Don't miss that Jesus Christ is our salvation. And what we're going to learn from Genesis 11 this morning is that salvation comes from above. Salvation comes from above. So look up. Look up, for salvation comes from above. Genesis 11 tells the story of of Babel. And we looked last week at Genesis chapter 9, and in Genesis chapter 9, verse 1, we read this, God blessed Noah and his sons and said to them, Be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth. And so Noah, through his three sons, Shem, Ham, and Japheth, there is multiplication and they begin to expand throughout the earth. And in Genesis 10, we read the story of Shem and Ham and Japheth as they begin to expand, filling the earth. And as we go through their genealogies, in Genesis 10, verse 8, we meet a man named Nimrod. Now, Cush... That's the son of Ham, became the father of Nimrod. And he became a mighty one on the earth. He was a mighty hunter before the Lord. Therefore it is said, like Nimrod, a mighty hunter before the Lord, the beginning of his kingdom was Babel, and Erech, and Akkad, and Kalna, in the land of Shinar. From that land he went forth into Assyria and built Nineveh, and Rehoboth, and Kalah. Nimrod, his name means, we shall rebel. God said, go forth, multiply, fill the earth. We're going to find out in Genesis chapter 11 that Nimrod and those who follow him rebel against the Lord. They say no to God. The first time, in verse 12, it's the first time that the word kingdom is found in the Bible. And the first time that the word kingdom is found in the Bible, it's used to describe the kingdom of man, the kingdom of Nimrod. It's used to describe man and his attempt to reject and push against God. And so in this time of expansion and yet rebellion we pick up the story in Genesis chapter 11, verse 1. Now the whole earth 
used the same language and the same words. And it came about as they journeyed east that they came, that they found a plain in the land of Shinar and settled there. They said to one another, Come, let us make bricks and burn them thoroughly. And they used brick for stone, and they used tar for mortar. And they said, Come, let us build for ourselves a city, a tower whose top will reach into heaven. And let us make for ourselves a name. Otherwise, we will be scattered abroad over the face of the whole earth. The Lord came down to see the city and the tower which the sons of men had built. The Lord said, Behold, they are one people, and they all have the same language, and this is what they began to do. Now nothing that which they purpose to do will be impossible for them. Come, let us go down, and there confuse their language, so that they will not understand one another's speech. So the Lord scattered them abroad from there over the face of the whole earth, and they stopped building the city. Therefore, its name was called Babel. Because there, the Lord confused the language of the whole earth. And from there, the Lord scattered them abroad over the face of the whole earth. Now we come to that story. And, and listen, you may ask the question, Dave, you, you don't really believe that, that there was a town called Babel. And you don't really believe that God took the peoples of the earth and, and on that day from Babel, he spread them, he scattered them across the face of the earth. You don't really believe that, that story, do you? Well, yeah, I do. And listen, I've already believed the first verse of the Bible that says, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. So if I've already believed the first creation story, if I've already believed the first origin story, then, then why wouldn't I believe this origin story, the origin of all the people groups of the world and, and all of their languages? Listen, I, I believe the first verse, so I believe these verses too. When I look at this story, it fits with the world I see around me. Listen, when I look out in the world, I see different people groups and I see different languages. And this Story explains that. It fits with reality. But when I look at this story, I also see that it fits with the one story of the Bible. I see that this story fits with what I see God doing throughout the Bible. I see God coming down to bring salvation. The point this morning is this. Salvation comes from above. Salvation comes from above. And I want you to know that in this story, we're going to answer three questions. What's the problem? How do I know if I have that? And what can be done to fix it? What's the problem? How do I know if I have it? And what can be done to fix it? How do I, what is the problem? Well, the problem is sin. Nimrod, the man who said, we shall rebel. He captures the attention. He captures the imagination. He captures with a vision the loyalty of a group of people. And they say no to God. They rebel against God. And that's the heart of sin. The heart of sin is rebellion to say, God, I know better than you how to run my life. 
And all the people who gathered around Nimrod, they, they went his way. They went the way of rebellion. They said, God, we don't want to go and multiply and fill the earth. We want to go our way. We want to stop here and build a city. The heart of the problem, the heart of the problem is sin. And sin is rebellion. It says no to God. You say, well, how do I know if, if that's in me? How do I know if, if I have that problem? Well, Moses gives us three ways to see if, if we have the symptoms of the problem of rebellion. Look at verse 4. And they said, Come, let us build for ourselves a city. There's the rebellion. And a tower whose top will reach into heaven. And let us make for ourselves a name. Otherwise, we will be scattered abroad over the face of the whole earth. The problem is rebellion. Here's the first symptom. Here's the first symptom. They become tower builders. They become tower builders. And you can tell if you're a tower builder, if you place your significance, if you begin to build your identity on what you do, on what you achieve. Tower builders build their lives. They build their lives on achievement. They build their lives on achievement. Their identity becomes wrapped up in what they do rather than who they are. You see, when we're young, we, we're asked questions like this. What do you want to be when you grow up? But then when we grow up, we go to college, and, and then people start asking us questions like this. What are you going to do when you graduate? And we're discipled by the world. We're discipled to become tower builders, people who build their identity on what they do. You see, we become tower builders. What do we say when, when we begin to advance, when we begin to achieve in the marketplace? We say that we've gotten a promotion. We're moving up. When we move ahead in the business world, we, we say, I'm moving up in the company. We begin to build our identities on what we do. It's a symptom. It's a symptom that, that the problem is in us. The problem's not out there. It's in us. Now, let me, let me illustrate it with, with, a funny, with a funny story. Maybe you've been watching The Office this week. You've been on Netflix and you've been watching The Office. You've, you've been watching episode after episode. You remember, remember when David decides that the best way to run The Office is for Jim and Michael to become co-managers, to become co-managers. And you remember Dwight, Dwight who always was introducing himself as the assistant regional manager, and he would always be corrected, no, 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 you're the assistant to the regional manager. And when Michael and Jim come out and they announce to the office that they're going to be co-managers, 
Dwight is standing right between Michael and Jim. And the, and the camera zooms in on Dwight. And he's crushed. See, we're all Dwight's. When we build our lives on achievement, when we build our identities on what we do, the problem of sin, the problem of rebellion is growing in our hearts. We're tower builders. We're tower builders. Do you see it? Do you see it in yourself? We're tower builders. Secondly, we're name chasers. We're name chasers. Let us make for ourselves a name. We're name chasers. When David was in high school, he was playing, uh, one of his years, he was playing an away basketball game. And I was sitting in the stands right behind the bench, and it was time for all the players to be introduced. And the announcer who announced the names of the players, he didn't know Aukerman, and so he butchered our last name. Now, it happens a lot. I'm always amazed at people's creativity in pronouncing Aukerman. I've heard Asserman. I've heard Aukreman. I've heard Ackerman. But this announcer butchered David's name. And as David ran back to the bench, I I called out to him and I said, David, make sure they know your name when you're finished. (laughs) Oh, such a basketball dad. Such a proud things to say. You see, we're discipling our kids all the time. You know what I discipled my son to to think at that moment? What I discipled him to think at that moment was chase your name. Make a name for yourself. Make sure people know your name. You remember the the TV show Fame? Maybe uh, Maybe you do. It was in the the 80s, I know, that was a long time ago. But in the television program Fame, the introduction to the show was a song, and it went like this, I'm going to live forever. I'm going to learn how to fly. Hi. I feel it coming together. People will see me and cry. I'm going to make it to heaven. Light up the sky like a flame. Fame. I'm going to live forever. Baby, remember my name. Baby, remember my name. You ever name chase? Listen, one of the ways to diagnose if you're a name chaser is what happens when People don't affirm something that you've done. If if you don't get affirmation, if you don't receive approval for something that you've done, do, do you volunteer that it was you who did it? Or listen, if you're criticized, do you find yourself defending yourself? If those things are happening in your life, it could be that you're a name chaser. That the disease of our rebellion against God has moved into your life. It's, it's there. You're a name chaser. Are you? 
If you're a name chaser, you're living in Babel and you're in big trouble. If you're a tower builder, you're living in Babel, you're in big trouble. Tower builders, name chasers. And then third, connection cravers. Connection cravers. Verse 4, otherwise we will be scattered abroad over the face of the whole earth. We will be scattered abroad over the face of the whole earth. You remember uh, in the movie Forrest Gump, in the movie Forrest Gump, the first day of school, Forrest goes and he gets on the bus the first day of school. And he walks down the center aisle of the yellow bus, and every one of the kids says, seats taken, seats taken, seats taken. You can't sit here. But then one kid, Jenny, Jenny says, you can sit here if you'd like. See, we're all connection cravers. We're all terrified to hear, you can't sit here. This seat's taken. We're all terrified of being rejected. We all long to know where we belong. Later in the movie, Forrest joins the army. He he goes off to join the army. He gets on the bus on, on the first day of the army. He walks down the center aisle of the bus and Soldier after soldier after soldier, recruit after recruit says, can't sit here, you can't sit here, can't sit here, this seat's taken. But then Bubba, Forrest's friend, says, you can sit here if you like. Are you a a connection craver? Is the one thing you fear more than anything else is to be canceled, to be cut off, to be ostracized, to be rejected, to be scattered. Listen, if if someone doesn't like your post, if someone unfollows you, does it feel like in your heart you're being scattered? Then that can be a sign that you're a citizen of Babel and you're in big trouble. See, the problem is rebellion against God. The symptoms that we have the problem in us is that we build towers and we chase names and we crave connection. And the good news, the good news of the gospel is that salvation comes from above. how How can our hearts be mended? How can our hearts find an identity big enough to satisfy our hearts? How can we find a place? How can we find a place where we can find a name? Where can we go to belong? Where can we go to find a a place? The good news is the place has come to us. The good news for tower builders is not that we climb to heaven, but that God comes to us. The good news for name chasers is that you're found not in your name, but in the name of Jesus. The good news 
The good news for connection cravers is that you're in the circle. If you're in Christ, then you have the spirit of adoption by which we cry out, Abba, Father, you're in. You can never be more in. And you can never be pushed out. See, the good news of the gospel is that salvation has come down. Religion, religion is, is the life of Babel. Man trying to move up into heaven through their own efforts. But the gospel, the gospel is that salvation has come down. The good news of the gospel is that Jesus Christ came down to save us. Let me show you that in John chapter 6. In John chapter 6, we read this. Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me will not hunger, and he who believes in me will never thirst. But I said to you that you have seen me and yet do not believe. All that the Father gives me will come to me, and the one who comes to me I will certainly not cast out. For I have come down from heaven. I have come down from heaven. Not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. This is the will of him who sent me, that of all that he has given me, I lose nothing, but raise it up on the last day. For this is the will of my Father, that everyone who beholds the Son and believes in him will have eternal life, and I myself will raise him up on the last day. In every great story, salvation comes from above. In every great story, salvation comes through the dramatic appearance of the Savior. In the movie, Lord of the Rings, The Two Towers, all of humanity is gathered at Helm's Deep. And this powerful army of evil has marched against Helm's Deep. And it gets darker, and it gets darker, and it gets darker. And Gandalf, Gandalf, the, the great hero figure, he says, I'm going to go. I'm going to go get help. And he tells Aragorn, look for me. Look for me at the break of the sun. Look for me. Look to the east. And so on the fifth day, they look to the east, and they see the sun breaking through, and they march out, and they conquer the armies of evil. Oh, it costs them, but they win the battle because this dramatic help came from the east. Our help has come, not from the east. Our help has come from above. God hasn't left us to work our way to him. God has come down to seek and to save that which was lost. The good news of the gospel is this. We have a seeking and saving Savior. God has come down in the person of Jesus. Jesus Christ is the bread that came from heaven. I have come down from heaven, not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. Jesus Christ came to do the will of the Father. He came down from heaven to do for us what we could never do for ourselves. He lived. He lived the life that we should have lived. He died the death that we deserved to die. And he says to you, 
He says to you, tower builder. He says to you, name chaser. He says to you, connection craver, come to me. All that the Father gives to me will come to me. And the one who comes to me, I will certainly not cast out. Oh, citizens of Babel, salvation comes from above. Your Savior has come. His name is Jesus. Won't you believe? Won't you admit all the ways that your rebellion has rejected God? Won't, won't you to admit that you're a sinner, you're in big trouble? You've tried to build a tower. You've tried to chase a name. You've tried to find connection apart from Him. And all of those attempts have failed. Won't you come to Him? Won't you admit? Won't you believe? Won't you believe that Jesus is Savior? Jesus said, He who believes in Him will have eternal life. And I myself will raise Him up on the last day. Won't you believe? Won't you commit? Jesus, you lead. I'll follow. I don't want to be like Nimrod. I don't want to be like the citizens of Babel who reject your plan, who reject your will. I want to go your way. You lead me and I'll follow. And if you will, do you see what he promised? He doesn't offer you a way to find yourself to get to heaven. He says, I've come down to raise you up myself to heaven. Jesus Jesus is our salvation that has come down. Salvation comes from above. So in Genesis 11, God came down. Let us go down and see this thing. And then God comes down, and then what does he do? He says in Genesis 11, Let us go down and there confuse their language so that they will not understand one another's speech. Oh, do you see the grace of the gospel in that? That God did not wipe out Babel. That God didn't, he, he could have done so many other things. He could have made them mute. He could have made them deaf. He could have made them blind. But instead, he chose, he chose to confuse their language and scatter them. He chose to accomplish his original plan to send them out, to multiply, to fill the earth. Do you know? Do you know that it was Jesus who would come? It was Jesus who would come and he would offer his life on the cross and in, and in, in the throne room of God right now. There are heavenly beings, there are spiritual beings who sing night and day, worthy are you, worthy are you, for you are the lamb that was slain and purchased for God with your blood men from every tribe and tongue and people and nation. You have made them to be a kingdom and priests to our God and they will reign on the earth. Kingdom of man. God invites you into his kingdom. All the nations of the earth, Babel will be reversed. 
through the sacrifice of the Son. Babel will be set aside. Through the sacrifice of the Son, we get to become a kingdom. We get to become a kingdom of priests to serve, to love, to give. So how should we live in response to this great salvation that we've received? We live in response to this great salvation we've received by loving it and by sharing it with others. We live in view of this great salvation. We live to love the gospel and we live to share the gospel. As a kingdom and as priests, we love the gospel. We love the gospel. I I read a book last year called The Gospel-Centered Discipleship. And in it, the writer has a great challenge for days like this. He says this question, What would happen if instead of spending hours in front of the video screen or mirror, we spent hours in front of the gospel? What if we fought for a more noble cause, a more beautiful image? What would happen? What would happen to tower builders and name chasers and connection cravers if instead of spending our days on video screens and in front of mirrors, we gazed in wide-eyed wonder at the glory of Jesus Christ come down from heaven to seek and to save us when we were lost? What if we were filled with the love of Christ? What if we were in love with the gospel? What could happen? In these days, we need the gospel more than than at any other time. John Owen wrote a book called Searching Our Hearts in Difficult Times. And in it, he says this. He gives this counsel to the church. Labor, therefore, brothers, and pray that you may abide in Christ with delight, that you may find a sweetness and refreshment in so doing, that every time of turning to Christ may be a spiritual joy and gladness to your heart. Now is a great opportunity shaking off all the distractions of life and other concerns to dwell with Christ. Now is a good time. Jesus has come down to be with us. And he's not far from us in these days. He says, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Jesus says, I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. He says, I will get you safely home with me. Oh, Christian, your great work is not to build a tower. Your great work is not to chase a name. Your great work is not to find and crave connection. Your great work is to trust in Christ. Your great work is to gaze on Christ. Your great work is to love the gospel, to luxuriate in the wonder that God has done it all. He's chased you. He's built a way of salvation for you. He's offered you a name that's above every name. It's the name of Jesus. Love it. Love the gospel and share it. 
Because what the story of Babel sets up for the rest of the Bible is God's missionary movement to take all the people groups of the world and bring them back to the Father through the Son by the power of the Holy Spirit, the great missionary work of the church, the great disciple-making work of the church is to reverse the curse of Babel, to say to the world, there's a place. There's a place better than Babel. There's a place that the God who made all things is creating for us who put our trust in Jesus. To say to the nations, our God reigns to go and make disciples of who? All the nations. Baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit and teaching them to observe all that I've commanded. The missionary movement of the church is to go out and recover the nations. To share it. Do you love it? You can share it. Because you always share what you love. So fill up with Jesus. Fill up with his love. And you'll go out and you'll share it. I believe, I believe these are the best days for the church. I believe that what we're facing today is no accident. I believe that when quarantines are lifted and when we have the opportunity to return to worship and to small group live and in person, that we will run to worship and we'll run to small group like men and women chasing an oasis in the desert. I believe these are going to be the best times for the church. I believe that in these days, we're going to learn to depend upon the Father the way Jesus depended upon the Father. I believe that when we pray, give us this day our daily bread, for Western American Christians, we're going to start putting the pieces together and we're going to realize God really is faithful. We're going to learn to depend upon the Father. These are going to be the best days for the church. These are going to be the best days of the church. We're going to learn how to pray like we've never prayed before. These are going to be the best days of the church. Because in these days, God is going to accelerate his work of reclaiming the nations, of reversing the curse of Babel, of bringing every tribe and people and nation on the face of the earth back to the Son who suffered and bled and died for them. Oh, don't you want to be a part of that? What would you exchange your citizenship in Babel for your citizenship in heaven? Won't you believe salvation comes from above? Love it and share it. Let's pray. Jesus, worthy are you to open the scroll and remove its seals, for you were slain. You purchase men from every tribe and tongue and people and nation. And you've made us to become a kingdom of priests to serve our God. Jesus, we want to lay aside the kingdom of Babel and we want to move into the kingdom of heaven. We want to set aside our 
our tower building and our name chasing and we want to set aside our connection craving and we want to long for you and gaze upon you. And if you've never received the gospel, if you've never believed the gospel, won't you admit, God, I've been in, in rebellion against you. I've sinned against you and I'm sorry. Jesus, I believe that you died for me and rose. Jesus, I commit to go your way. You lead. I follow. Will you help me become the person you want me to be? Father, all of us, all of us in these days are being invited to dependence and to prayer. All of us in these days are being invited to, to love the gospel like we've never loved it before. So Jesus, I pray that you wouldn't waste these days on us, but that you'd give us your Holy Spirit, that you'd pour out your Holy Spirit upon your church so that we would love the gospel and we would share the gospel and that you would lead us into days of revival like we've never seen before. We pray in Jesus' name, amen. Let me give you this benediction. Now may the God of hope, may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing that you may abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Go in grace.